This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and we have a phenomenal episode for you today with uh, my friend Katie Burrell. Um, and she's Katie's the best. I don't know. This is like one of my favorite episodes of the year always is doing an episode with Katie because she's fun. She tells it like it is in not a shitty way. Like people always say that about people who are fucking annoying and mean, but like Katie tells it the way it is and is actually a really nice human being, really thoughtful. And I always enjoy talking to her. Um, there's a lot going on in this episode, so I'm kind of just going to let you listen to it. We don't need to go too, too deep into it, but uh, she just wrapped up filming her new movie that is going to be out at some point in the future, probably next year, I'm guessing. But um, it was really cool to follow along and see uh, what it was that she was creating, and uh, I'm sure a lot of you have followed along on her Instagram as well. Um, but it's cool. Katie's doing big shit right now. She is... Uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Katie. Never can. So uh, before we get into the episode, some housekeeping things. Uh, we have a new uh, line of merch that is dropping. It is actually really good this time. Like It's actually like probably my favorite stuff. Not probably. It is my favorite stuff that we've ever made. Um, that'll be out this week, later this week. Um, so keep an eye out for that stuff um, on getthecollective.com is also accessible from out of podcast.com Ethan I wonder when we're gonna fix that issue um, but Good I guess point. that's a question for a different day um, so keep an eye out for that stuff as always leave a review uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify whatever and subscribe to the YouTube channel YouTube channel is uh, where we're trying to push people not push but I mean if you listen on audio we still love you very much and that's where I would like you to stay but if you like the watching experience that comes with this show, uh, check out the YouTube where we are, what do they say? We are unequivocally out there. Out here? We're out here. Either way. Before we jump into these episodes, we got to pay the bills, and we pay the bills by talking about the best ski area in New England, which is Cannon Mountain. Uh, we're actually giving away a pass, a season pass this week, so keep an eye out on the Instagram uh, because we are going to give one person a free season pass for the rest of the year. You can just come skiing. We can ski, me and you, every day. That's not an obligation, but, you know, we can go skiing if we are there at the same time, or you can go skiing by yourself uh, in Franconia at the lovely Cannon Mountain. Uh, we need snow. I, I don't think that's a secret to anybody in New England right now. Uh, snow would be really, really dope. All of it's at Alta. So it would be cool if they gave us some of that snow. It's crazy that they, they literally... Did you know this, Ethan? They have the most snow of any resort in the fucking world right now. Pretty crazy. The most. It's... Yeah. Anyway... Not talking about Alta right now. This is not an Alta ad. This is a Canon ad. So go to CanonMT.com and check out everything that Canon has to offer. But realistically, just come skiing with us. Come hang out. We're there all the time. Uh, and uh, we'd love to make some turns with you. Come ski the wonderful resort that is Canon Mountain. 
Uh, next, we have our friends at Alpine Vans. Alpine Vans makes the dopest adventure vehicles that are available in the world, and they've actually got a used one for sale right now, a version of the Cody, uh, which is like the Ryan Schmies graphic done up uh, van. It's actually this one on the right-hand side here. It's $165,000. Uh, no, the other one's, it's a 2020, the other one that they have up. I thought it was this one, 20 or 21. I don't know. Either way, this one that is a 2021 is $165,000. It's a phenomenal van on that Mercedes platform. The thing has a heated gear closet. It has solar. It has hot water. It has like a hose hookup. It, it, like it has everything so that you can actually do van life and do van life correctly and safely um, and not be a pile of garbage. You can just get a nice van that is comfortable and easy to take on all your adventures and if you don't believe me believe cody townsend he's a lot better at doing adventures than i am and he uses one of these vans um hit up todd and the crew at alpinevans.com and get yourself a new rig this season obviously there's financing available you can actually take out mortgages on these fucking things like it's crazy so alpinevans.com and without any more ado's Welcome to the episode with my friend, Katie Burrell. Who are you? Tell people a little bit about yourself and uh, we can go from there. Remember the first time I did the podcast and I got so mad at you for asking me who I was? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who you were. And then you got mad at me for something else. Somebody asked fuck, Mary kill for people that you knew and had to work with. And you were like, nope, I can't answer that. Like I have to work with these people. Like I'm not talking about it. <laughs> I was like inappropriate. Completely inappropriate. Um, I'm Katie. Are we going now? <laughs> we're hitting it. Yes, we're going. That's why I'm asking. I know who you are, and I'm sure people know who you are, but I just want the like same bit across the board. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm annoyed that podcasts are now also video chats because the beauty of podcasts oh. used to be that you could just sit in your sweatsuit. And now I'm like, oh, I need an outfit for this pot. I need a look. I'm tired of this conversation already. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make money other places. Like, how about that? Like, how is that not a thing? Like, let, allow me to get some of this pie here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so from the top, who I am, what I do. My name's Katie Burrell. I am an uh, director, writer, actor, comedian, producer, comedian, uh, influencer, uh, skier, biker i don't fucking know jesus (laughs) i i just do stuff um that i like and the last few years it's turned into a career um like an amalgamation of the things i like have turned into a career but you know it was interesting because i was being interviewed recently and someone asked me is it okay to call you an influencer is that okay i was like you can call me whatever the fuck you want like (laughs) you know what i mean like you literally you can call me whatever you want because i i don't think that for me to say my title would control how people would perceive me anyway like how i how i identify as a professional um you don't think that affects anything like when people like call you an influencer and they refer to you as that like if that's what people feel like they know you as does it does it matter to you no not at all no it doesn't because i i mean i've spent a lot of time worrying about what people think about me mm-hmm. I've spent way too much time in my life yep. doing that as I'm sure we all have yep. 
And I feel like the older I get and the closer I get to doing what I know I want to be doing on earth with my time, with my brain, yeah. the, the, the less I worry about how, um, how, how people need to fit me into some sort of like category for category from them for themselves. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, 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 if I was less, if I was feeling less secure about where I was in my life and in my career and what I was doing with my work, yes, I would probably be a little more cringed out by people not having a full understanding of what, you know, my day-to-day looks like perhaps, but mm. because I feel like the work that I'm going to continue to put out is going to speak for itself, then um, people can kind of just come along for the ride and, and, and they can call me whatever they need to in the meantime. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think it's a very healthy thing, actually. Like it's, it's an extremely healthy response. Like most people, like you said, are like so worried about what everybody else thinks of them and the world and what they do because it's like, they're not at a point in their career. And I'm sure like now it's easier to say, like and not give a fuck what anybody thinks because like you're having an extremely successful run and if you're happy with what you're doing it's way easier to be like I don't fucking like I don't care anymore either like it's like I used to like even when people were like he's a podcaster I was like such a douchey title and I don't want to deal with that and I don't want to hear about it like even if I have a it's like you get looped into the same things that people cringe about when they're called an influencer right it's like the worst people on earth that are just like taking photos of like I don't know whatever the fuck and like faking everything like it's just it's not the same thing but it is the same thing you know what i mean and there's less reason to care if you're comfortable with what you're doing yeah um i saw this like reframing of the conversation around influencer a little while ago online and it was like michelle obama's an influencer barack obama's an influencer like these people are influencers in their own kind of ways and and like the term influencer like shifting up out of maybe like a more rudimentary rudimentary understanding of it, of like hawking product and into more of like a uh, influencing thought, influencing attitudes, influencing culture. Like, and for me, I was like, yeah, you know, I collaborate with brands and I sell stuff by way of comedy content. And so you can call me an influencer because I sell shit online, mm-hmm. whether you can tell or not, you know, yeah. um, but I, I'm also feel like I am trying to, at least as part of my ethos is representing, um, or, or encouraging, you know, a different way of looking at approaching the outdoors and a different way of looking at being okay with yourself in the outdoors. And so if I'm quote unquote, influencing people to see themselves differently and accept themselves and meet themselves where they're at, then sure. Like I'm an influencer. Great. You know what I mean? It's just like understand. It's like the understanding of the term I feel is shifting as we, as being online and having a virtual identity becomes more and more prevalent in how the economy functions effectively. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's an actual thing. It's a real job. I think a few years ago, it wasn't even considered a job. It was just like a thing that people did, even if they were making money at it. And now it's like, you can actually make a career and again, I don't love the influencer title because it doesn't encompass like what you do. Like all the things you just listed, if somebody was like, oh, she's an influencer. It's not like they think about all of those other things that actually really matter that you work really yeah. hard at. That's my only beef, right. with it, I think, is yeah. like people are like minimizing what you do. But then again, it's like if you have that healthier mindset where you're like, I don't really give a fuck what they say or what they do. Like this is what I actually do. 
I mean, it's like, it's like so many jobs, you know, I mean, even with like the title comedian, there was like, there's this very precious, um, within like, you know, stand up comedy scene right. circles where you're not supposed to say you're a comedian unless you're literally hitting mics like five nights a week and like creating new material and, and building out new jokes and da, da, da. like I haven't done stand up comedy. Well, I did stand up comedy for the first time since the pandemic really hit hard in Chicago like three months ago. Yeah. And, and in like c- comedy circles, it'd be like, blasphemous for me to say I was a comedian because I'm not like regularly performing stand-up but mm-hmm. then in like of like in mainstream circles or people who just take in content and entertainment oh she's a comedian she makes funny shit whatever mm-hmm. you know what I mean so it's like and then there's so many jobs there's so many elements to it that nobody ever knows and understands and that's fine. Like for me, like the goal, the joy, the thing I come back to all the time is I love to entertain and I love an audience. And Mm. so I discovered an audience online and I discovered a new way for me to do what I love, which is create and entertain people, um, online during the pandemic was like, that was like the real pivot during that time. And so do I, it's like a, it's like running a theater show. Do you want people to see you running around backstage, moving props, like colliding into the stage hands, like breaking something, fixing it, sending someone like all you want people to see is you coming out on stage right. and nailing it. Like right. all, all you want, you don't need people to see you on zoom calls and writing invoices and fucking up your taxes and getting fired right. by your accountant. Cause you're so <laughs> bad at keeping track of your shit. Like nobody needs to know or right. see how the inner workings of a set, you know, how they, how it functions or, or how the team functions or, you know, all they need to see is the finished product. All they need to see is the entertainment. Um, and then they're going to, they're going to make whatever, um, assumption or judgment that they want about it, that they, that they can of it. And it's like, yeah, sure. I could like, I could spend time having a, a gripe with feeling like under, uh, like people don't appreciate what I do. You know what I mean? But I'm like, eh, like all I want is them to watch the shit. So who cares what they call me in, in between? It's actually a very good point. I, like if they're watching, then that's working, right? It's like, yeah, there's always this thing between loving and hating things. That's really important. Whether people love it or hate it is great. You just don't want them to be in the middle. If people are in the middle. You're kind of fucked, right? You become irrelevant so fast. It's better to make people upset in this business than anything else, right? Upset happy whatever i mean obviously there's a deep end like don't be kanye but like also every time that he has an album coming out he's a total fucking pile of garbage so it's like there's a there's something there i guess obviously i'm not saying go do that but there's like i hear what you're saying it's it's interesting because it's that's kind of the line that i find i was really i have been really struggling with because so much of my income income over the course of the last year year and a half was brand dollars right like brands would come to me with a campaign idea or with um with a concept or with a new product that they wanted to draw attention to and they wanted me to create content that was like inbound marketing that didn't necessarily you know so on the nose say purchase this or engage with this Mm. um but like draw draw attention to it or, or bring light to it and so many of the 
pieces of content that we created went back and forth and back and forth in editing in sort of a heartbreaking way, it would become more and more watered down and diluted until it was at times a fraction, like a, a fragment of what the original concept was because brands and their end brand dollars are like scared. They're scared dollars, you know? Right. And like saying, Oh, creating things that people are just sort of meh about. Like I was running into that a lot with, and it was kind of this like interesting cycle where it was like, you'd put something out that was, that pushed the limit, which a brand would see, or like people working at a brand, I should say, would see, enjoy, and then want to work with that within their brand. And yeah. then all the limitations of their brand would become things that would hold us back within the comedy. And so it became this kind of like thing where you're just constantly bobbing and weaving around different brands things that they've either been burned for or they're scared of being burned for. And then all of a sudden you're not creating comedy anymore. You're creating like diluted, you're, you're creating diluted content. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, those parameters always bug me, right? Like that's one of the things that like when we go and we sign a deal with a brand, it's like, you have to know this is what we do. Like, I'm not going to say everything that you want. Like it's going to be my ad reads are dog shit. Like these kind of things are, are actually like important for me to say up front because if we work with a brand that's not okay with that, it's it's not it's not my brand. You know what I mean? Like it's not the thing that I actually am proud of and it's not a thing that the audience expects from us. So mm -hmm. I have a hard time, but it's also hard to say no to money, right? It's like there's there's a thing a thing with creators where you're always worried about when the faucet's gonna turn off, right? Yeah. Like when the money's gonna stop running. And I'm sure you have this problem too. Like no matter how good you are. You're always worried like, okay, this deal only goes so far. How do I get the next deal? Like, how do I move into the next thing? What does that look like? Will there be a next thing? You know? Sure. So, For sure. I mean, is that a thing that actually is bothersome to you? Like, how do you, this is one of the things that I guess I'm trying to understand. When you approach a brand or a brand approaches you, how do you decide if it's worth your time? How do you decide a rate to even charge somebody to make it worth your time? And what is that, like, what does that look like for you? <laughs> I had to do so much. This is going to sound kind of woo-woo, but I had to do so much self-development and self-valuation work uh, co to coincide with also building my personal brand name yeah. business so that I could stand my ground on, in those conversations around budget, around rates, around right. content, like being able to say, trust me to tell you what's funny. Trust me and my team to edit it mm. in a way that's going to be funnier than your team could. Like tr trust me and, and the people that I've like worked with over the years and developed this entire tone and pacing and, and style with to be able to tell you what our, our audience will be able to see right through. And, mm. and I couldn't do that in the early days of negotiating. I would take work and just do whatever, you know what I mean? To keep the faucet on, as you say, yeah. as it went, it became like, this isn't worth the money. This isn't worth the money. This isn't worth the money. Right. My, as I said, I always come back to my audience and entertaining my audience. And when I feel like I'm blowing smoke up my audience's ass, I can't fucking even stand myself anymore. Yeah. So that's like the litmus test for me is like, is my audience going to see right through this and just be like, she's just fucking 
cashing in right now. And while still also being like, it's okay to, it's okay to get paid. You know what I mean? It's okay to be a quote unquote sellout. Like there's all these terms for like right. success that people love to like throw at people when they're like doing well. Like, and it's, yeah. it's you know, cause that's fucking whatever. stupid. Like, shut up. That's what the thing is like, it's fucking it, eat ass. I'm trying to make a living doing this. And if yeah. I wasn't here, somebody else would be fucking taking that money anyway. So like, I don't understand what the problem is. Like I, yeah. I'm never going to The whole like sellout, the whole like sellout conversation is just so pedestrian to me, but I'm yeah. like, it, it really is for me also a litmus test of like, w- if you could get called a sellout for this, or if you could get called a, <laughs> if you could get called these things for it, is it really something you can like stand behind? Like, yeah. Can you stand and can you stand your ground behind it? Like, or whatever the expression is. Um, Who's calling you a sellout? Yeah, I did. I did. Sorry. Who's calling you a sellout? Oh, nobody. Me, okay, myself. Okay. Yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. This, okay. Is the, this is the thing. It's like, you're like, are you worried about people? Are you worried about people talking shit about you, calling you shit? I'm like, bro, if you could hear the conversations I have about myself in my own head, you wouldn't be worried at all. I'm with you. I'm with you. I am with you. What, I am with you. What other people are saying. I'm like, if anyone could be meaner to me than I can, I'd be impressed. <laughs> I'd be like, you might have a point, sir, because I I thought I had hit the bottom of the the depths of fucking hell with my own self. But um, so anyway, I did like a lot of work with like I've done work with like a coach. I've done work with a therapist. I've done work with like lots of different professionals in that like kind of spiritual space to be Mm -hmm. able to understand what, what like my truth is, what my point is. And therefore I can like stand in it when I'm negotiating with these brands. And if it's, if it's not a fit, I've gotten to the point now where I'm in a position where I can just say, Oh no, that's what I charge. Yeah. No, sorry. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. My audience is so important to me. I'm like, I, I built the trust with them. If they start yeah, to just yeah, see yeah. every single thing is just an ad and it's been, it's being controlled by a voice that's obviously not mine. Then there goes all the work I did to find these people in the first place, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I agree. It's a really hard standard to hold yourself to when there's bills to be paid and there's a team, right. That like you need to be successful for, cause obviously not mm-hmm. just you anymore that you're being successful for. Like you have to, there's mouths to feed, right? It's like, that's always totally. the thing is like when I take on a deal that I don't want to work with, I don't really want to do, or I'm not super psyched on, like I have to like kind of check myself where I'm saying like, do I just not want to do it because I'm being arrogant? Do I not want to do this because I don't like this person really, or I don't like the vibe, like, or am I actually right about not doing it? Right. Because there's other people that need to get paid based on deals that are created. Right. Like there's, you got to make sure that there's food on the table for more than just yourself. I know. Selfishly. I'm so, I feel like I'm, (laughs) I feel like era is the word of 2022, but I definitely feel like I'm entering a new era (laughs) in terms of how I'm operating in the world as a professional creative. (laughs) Maybe that's what my title should be, professional creative. Hmm. That's pretty good. We can circle back on that. But uh, I feel like I'm entering this new kind of zone where I'm like, maybe I don't want to build a business that's Katie Burrell, leisure athlete, um, comedian, comedy content influencer, bike, ski, thing, whatever it is that people are kind of like, yeah. Maybe I don't want to do it anymore because yes, it it requires it, honestly it requires a team of five. 
to, yeah. to really pull off and run at the pace that we were running it for a while there, basically prior to the movie that we just shot, yeah. we were operating with four people and it was flat out every day. And, um, we were all really burnt out and stressed. And then we rolled that right into this movie and post in a, after the, the movie, you know, in these two weeks of eerie silence over the holidays, I'm like, what do I actually want to do next? Because I'm not convinced that I want to keep barreling at this like insatiable kind of content um, pole, you know, yeah. and just keep feeding this mon, like feeding this beast basically um, yeah. that like, you know, grows your audience and offers and, and gives you incredible opportunities and you meet wicked people and you do all this cool shit. But it's this like it's this feeling of a flat spiral that really kind of was starting to tank me where it's like I, I'm I'm repeating the same bit in different contexts. I'm, I'm doing the same joke and people are going, we like that. Do it again for us, but a little different Then they do it a little different. And they're like, never mind. Just do it exactly how you did it before, because we know that works. That's safe. Yeah, we'll pay for that. So I was like feeling like I was really getting myself in a bit of a getting locked into a bit of a flat spiral where I was like. How many of you guys, how many of you done this joke? You guys really want me to do it again? Hey, like, I just yeah, yeah, yeah. feel like I just did it like five times, but okay, I'll do it again, uh, I guess. And then I'm like, and now I'm kind of entering this phase where I'm like, maybe I, maybe I want to go in a new direction and, and like think longer form, think about developing bigger projects, sink my teeth into some stuff again versus this like, this turnaround pace, like, of just, Hit them mm. with jokes, get your ten thousand likes, and get out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's a weird bit. I mean, it's hard. I don't know. You get stuck in like content cycles. I'm sure sometimes where, like you said, there's like that feedback loop that is like really excited about what you're putting out, but eventually you know in the back of your head that either you're gonna get bored of it in the immediate future, or the audience will get bored of it and be like, ah, it's tapped. I'm over it. Right. So it's like, yeah. how do you keep it fresh in a way that? keeps everybody excited and keeps you excited more than anything else. Because I think that's where it stems from, right? It's like, you got to this point, you have to figure out what's going to keep making you excited to do it. Even if it's being, even if you're successful at it, because if you're fucking over it, you're fucking over it. Totally. And, and I feel like I go too far ahead, too fast, almost like someone said to me the other day, like, so it's okay to just get paid Katie, you know, and I was because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to get paid to do this bit that people have now just started appreciating as a thing that they could attach brand dollars to. I, I did this bit three years ago or five years ago yeah. and to an audience of 300, you know what I mean? And people were like, oh, we love it. Yeah. Now it's like however many thousands and it's like, okay, people will pay you to do a bit that you did five years ago, just take the money. I'm, and I'm like, but at, for, as a creative, yeah, I <laughs> take me to the grave. I, I did this yeah, five yeah. years. What am I doing now? Just yeah. getting a paycheck. You know what I mean? Like that's the grappling. That's the, like, yeah. that's the line I'm walking all the time and in my own self. And I'm like, and, and it's feeling stronger and stronger to me lately where I'm like, I really want to do more movies. I really want to do TV. I really want to do longer form higher level writing, you know, character development, et cetera, et cetera. But I've been, I'm, it's like, 
I've been a little bit stuck, I think, um, in that, like, people just, yeah, they want a quick, quick laugh and brands want a quick, yeah, they want a quick and you know, whatever. So, um, I, I, I'm feeling a change is, is definitely coming for me. And, and, and for me, like, I'm, um, I'm very, I'm very, sensitive to like boredom just in my own life it's been like probably the most driving factor of my entire (laughs) life is i get so bored so easily that it makes me want to cry yeah like my like (laughs) truly like my my skin feels like it's melting off if i get bored like I, I hate it. And, and, and Colleen will tell you, Colleen is for, for those of you who, who don't know my team and know my work, like, and then are listening to this. Um, Colleen is my longtime cla- uh, partner, collaborator, producer, DP editor. We've done so much work together. Um, and, and she's, she deals with it. Yeah. Like watching me just lock up, roll my eyes at myself, look at her be like, I feel like we just did this bit. Like we just did this, you know, like, and she's watching me being like, being like, Oh, she's fucking starting to crack here. Like (laughs) we're going to have to move on soon. You know what I mean? So I think she knows, I know then she knows because she's like, you're a pill. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're being a pill. What's going on? You're fucking bored, aren't you? I'm like, I'm bored. Like this is done. Yeah. And then and then we start shifting and we start evolving again. And so we're definitely in the beginning of a new cycle, I would say. Yeah. It's it's a tough thing to deal with, I'm sure. It's it in so many businesses, the thing and you in a way are a business, but like it's the things that are not the sexy things, the things that you don't really want to do, the things that are like kind of gross and you do them all the time that like actually make the money sometimes. And it's hard. Like it's in, in so many different businesses. It's like, it, it just is what it is. It's like, that's what people want. That's what the volume is. It's every time I post like a hack thing, it fucking crushes. And I'm like, this is fucking gross and it's dirty. And I know what I'm doing. But I also right. know what the reaction is going to be. So it's like balancing things that make me happy and things that I know are garbage that the audience likes. It's it's yeah. so tough because especially right now, right, with Instagram, it's and I was I'm going to try to not talk about Instagram that much because I fucking hate Instagram right now. But it's so difficult to not do what, you know, works because there's a specific vein on Instagram that works really, really well right now. And the rest of it, like the shit that you probably care about and that's close to your chest, a lot of times fucking tanks. And you're like, why am I even fucking doing this? Like, it's like, why am I even bothering? This is so dumb. Yeah. It's so wild for me, like putting workout and watching the reactions. Like they, we did this piece, um, for CMH and Carrie Traw. It was a collaborative. I saw this. Yeah. It was a, and it was this via Ferrata that we did out at CMH Bugaboos. Yeah. And it was hands down the scariest day of my life. Like I really am afraid of heights, like very, very afraid of heights Yeah. and kind of didn't know what I was getting into, but also Colleen's like, you're so funny when you're scared. So I was like, all right, a little bit of healthy fear, like might prompt me into, (laughs) oh no, I was like full sobbing, like literally begging the guides to get the helicopter to come long line me off the side of this cliff, like 
weeping. He, he had to like attach me to him and drag me up this via Ferrata, via Ferrata. And, uh, it was just like weirdly traumatizing, but also very, um, very like inspiring day. And yeah. the content that we created out of it was like, when I saw it, I was like, I hate it. I hate it yeah. because of the feelings I had about the way I handled myself that day, yeah. you know? And like, I went and apologized to the guy. He was like laughing at me. We we're having a whole conversation. You know what I'm like? I'm sorry. He's like, if you think you're the only person that's had a meltdown on this thing, like you're, you're totally wrong. fine. I'm like, yeah. I know, but I'm supposed to be working and I completely lost my mind. <laughs> so when, we, when I saw the piece that came together, I was like, Oh God, like, First of all, I felt like I was like cheating people out of knowing like what I'd actually been through because we were putting just this like comedy piece out. Yeah. Second of all, I felt like embar like embarrassment. Like I felt secondhand embarrassment at myself <laughs> knowing how I was to work with that day. And then third of all, I was just like, these jokes just feel basic to me. They just yeah. felt basic. And it went on to get like, it went on, it went viral. It went totally viral. There's now like an audio out of it. Like people yeah, have yeah, made yeah. turned into an audio and I'm, and I'm watching these and, and I'm watching this thing go. And I'm like, there, there's no predicting it anymore for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I quite simply have no idea how these things are going to go. <laughs> and so it's like, if I'm Colleen always says like, if we're laughing, then it's usually a good a good indication like while we're shooting it yeah and then it, it's like yeah but then that being said i don't know sometimes i'm like you're do we're doing a bit and we're like not laughing and then how it edits together it's like somehow very engaging it's i don't know it's always a mystery to me but the um my point was that the stuff that every single thing that i put out i feel like i hate kind of i feel you Trust me, I you know. I feel you like big time on this. Like it's not, yeah, I'm with you 100. Like you said in the beginning, it's like no one hates themselves as much as like I hate my like no one hates me <laughs> yeah. as much as I hate me. Like there's no there's no way to even there's no competing yeah. right. So beyond that, I'm just like fuck off. I just don't I don't give a fuck. Um, let me let me ask you this kind of pivoting a little bit. Are you dream job? Obviously, first thing that like really really popped to me at least. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something before that, but I, do you still, do you cringe when you see it? Do you like it when you see it? Do you love it still? Are you proud of it? That's like, uh, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like dream job for me has this like eldest child yeah, <laughs> vibe yeah. in my heart. Like, like they can do no wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, not that I'm a parent, but like from what I kind of understand, you know, fam family structure wise, you don't understand like anything about being a parent, you don't know anything about having kids until you have a kid. Okay. You don't know anything sorry, about being a parent. I shouldn't have used that. I shouldn't have used that. <laughs> that, that uh, I can't metaphor. wait till this is what get, gets you canceled. Yeah. Oh, honestly, any minute now, I'm like, really, it's any minute now. It, it's probably going to be more that I don't like working. Yeah, people are going to be like, fuck her. <laughs> she doesn't like getting paid. Yeah. She's like so privileged. Yeah, it's something about going to be something. I can't wait, honestly, to see what it is because I'm going to take a fucking holiday. <laughs> months. I'm going to go away for months. Oh, my God. You're going to do a Louis C.K. and just fucking take two years off and just like be like, Let oh, me yeah, we're out back. of my misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, Dream Job, like, okay, there are these short films I made in, in college um, 
that I watch back and they make me laugh like so hard because they're just like the earnestness with which I was trying to be a filmmaker are hilarious just to feel. Um, and then they're just so janky. It's like endearing and dream job has a definitely endearing jank level to it that I think is still not necessarily cringe because of the way that audience received the film. Um, and like, just the, the, like dream job is very feel good. You know, it was interesting. Like some of it, people were like, Oh, she roasted the industry. I'm like, I don't, think we did that at all but okay um to me i thought it was very feel good i thought it was very celebratory and so watching it back i don't have any kind of like cringe feelings i'm more like proud of how far um we've come as creatives and as professionals in this space and um it's it's yeah it's like a very i look back on it with like very a very positive kind of mindset like despite it being like, a, it was like a really challenging thing at the time. It was like, I look back on it as a very positive experience in my life. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I watched it actually the other day. Like I was just like, let me like, after I emailed you, I was like, let me just like yeah. see if I still like it. Like if it's still funny and it's still great. I think it's good. Like it's good TV, right? Like it's like, that's what people should watch. What, let me ask you a question. Why KBTV? Like, why has the plan always been TV? Like, what the fuck? I don't think I've ever asked you this before, but like, why? Like, I call you KBTV. It's in your email signature. Like, it's just, it's funny to me, but also, I don't know where it came from. That's exactly why it is that. It's because it's funny. But are you going like, to ruin the bit when you actually start doing TV stuff? <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> I mean, at some point, I'm going to have to probably rebrand. Um, semi-dramatically but the um (laughs) (laughs) the thing with kbtv was was it was like i made that my instagram handle and then as as a joke some people started calling me that almost in like a they're like trolling you kind of a way you know and then i thought that was funny because i love a good jab like i I just love a good ribbing i'm like this is funny and then when we finished um filming coach we were in such a state of disaster like (laughs) um personally financially like 30,000 in debt on that thing like pandemic no other work lined up like just absolute carnage and it was like people people were just saying kbtv and we just kind of went with it as a joke like yeah and then it kind of never like we never fixed it you know what i mean and then it just became like a thing and um i don't know colleen and i've had lots of conversations about it and we have with the the rest of our team as well and you know to have like colleen's work under katie burrell tv and have like the rest of the team's work under kbtv like it just became this like really easy shorthand thing to say to differentiate between like the film work we're some of the film work we were doing and like this content that we were doing it was like this internal joke that became front (laughs) client facing which um i don't know like you know as we kind of evolve here there's gonna probably have to be like a a separation of things we have like leisure athlete now there's like a lot of interest to sort of turn that into you know more than we ever imagined and then there's me maybe drop the tv it's just me you know what i mean (laughs) 
And then there's like Colleen and her work as a producer, as a DP, as an editor. Um, but it's just been, it was just kind of this, like, you know, the thing that, you know, those things that are just like a good jab and then they just kind of stick. It was like a nickname. It was was honestly just like a nickname that kind of stuck. Yeah. It's a good nickname. I mean, there's no real nickname for Katie, right? Like Katie Katie is the nickname. Kate. Like, is that what people are going to like? That's like, is that a short, I don't even know if that's a shorthand version of Katie. Like it's not. Yeah. I feel like I have some very incriminating nicknames amongst my close girlfriends that I wouldn't definitely wouldn't go client facing with like Kenny powers. <laughs> that's, and, a, that's a nickname that people call you. Oh yeah. Why? When I get like drinking. Oh yeah. I go like, I, I feel like I have different drunks and like beer drunk is one of them, you know, like be, like different. a proper yeah, beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just go like full Vancouver Island, like fucking, <laughs> fucking shit. I want to, I want to fight. Like I want to go to a hockey game. And you want to fight? <laughs> I want to like fucking, I want to get, I want to like get kicked out of a bar. Like, are you a this. frat bro? What the fuck is this? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I've been saying this for years. I'm a 22 year old boy trapped in a 30 now five year old woman's body. And it's more painful every year. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I actually, I really do love that. Um, coach, are we, are we over? coach like are we over existing are we are we recovered you know it's been least favorite um, project or like least favorite project like genuinely no definitely not okay um i feel like coach was like absolutely necessary for my life and development and i have only and kind of annoyingly we knew it during it like just kept being like, this is really pissing me off. It's gonna make me, it's gonna make me better. Oh, that's pissing me off too. You know what I mean? Like this whole thing's pissing me off. Um it like taught it taught us so much. Um, I feel all of the content that we put out since coach, we wouldn't have been able to know how to negotiate with brands, talk to brands, realistic expectations, um, budgeting managing those budgets, uh, documentary film, like the, just what we learned on that project. I, I'm like, I just feel like we're still, we, we're still using skills that we, we got on that project in our right. careers now. And, and like, frankly, I mean, getting to go on the free art world tour, having that relationship, like the people that tour like Nico, the founder, Lolo, the head commissioner, like, the the judges the skiers like those are relationships that i honestly cherish so much Mm. and we shot a segment well i did a segment for warren miller last year and one of the things we did was go to the free art world tour and incorporate it into the segment and if we hadn't done coach we we wouldn't have the relationship like we wouldn't have the relationship with the tour for them to be like yeah sure katie like go take the piss out of like yeah you can go to the start gate like yeah you can drop in like yeah, we'll all kind of get in on this joke. Like, had we have not, had we had not done that project, spent the entire season with them, getting to know these people. So I don't know. I'm just like so glad I know the the free art world. I, I'm so glad I know the free art world tour family. I'm so glad I know those people. Yeah. I'm so glad I had experience and the things that I, the, like the things that I learned as a director and as a producer working on coach, like. They, they, it was like the whole like forge in the fire thing. You know yeah. what I mean? And 
recovered. Yes. Financially have recovered. Yes. Um, relationships wise. Yes. Recovered. I think there was like a period of time where Hedvig and Lorraine were both pretty triggered by the project that like by the, the, the final project that came out. And I know that Colleen was triggered back in her own way. And so was I, and they're like, all four of us were kind of, you know, had really strong feelings about the way that the thing came together. And in the end, and the one thing that I do, I think regret or look back on a little bit is like, we were so kind of ballsy with what we did that we ended up feeling kind of, shitty about putting it out yeah like um it ended up going to banff it went to whistler it was like yeah. i ended up on a panel as a result like people are asking me like like i'm some sort of fucking expert on, on doing something like this you know what yeah. i mean and i'm like honestly i feel kind of i felt i had days where i felt really bad i had days where i felt really shitty um did we did we exaggerate parts of the story? I don't know. Did we use my character to create like some sort of, you know, hy- hyperbolic element to the story? Probably. Did we um, try to create something that was just like entertaining and honest? Yes. Like, so I don't feel bad about those things. Do I feel bad that people were hurt? Yes, definitely. Do I, um, am I, am I glad that we did it anyway? Yes. Have I wanted to put it out on like YouTube for free? No. Cause I don't want to like deal with answering that question that feels so contextual and layered and sensitive, like in my DMS, you know what I mean? Like, and I think for a while there was like a conversation that was happening. I don't know if this was happening for Lane. Lorraine or Hedvig, but it was happening for me where people were almost more interested in the drama of behind the making of the movie than they were in the actual like story. Mm. And that was a little bit frustrating. It was like very don't worry, darling, vibey, where it was yeah, just yeah, yeah. like you're, yeah. you're not even watching what happened. Like and try right. and you're not even trying to get out of the story, what we're trying to say, which is that women are allowed to show up imperfectly and be competitive and be ruthless and be tough and be opinionated. And like, that should be fine. Yeah. That should just be women showing up to do their job, you know? And so did I want to keep having that conversation? And like, yeah, it created a lot of really interesting conversations and, and it, I also had guilt. So yeah. Not my not my least favorite project by far though cuz I'm like thank you for that experience in this lifetime and and I and I feel you know indelibly connected to both Hedvig and Lorraine and and like you know ride or die for both of them. Yeah. And vice versa I hope. So um Yeah, and in no way do I mean like that I disliked it or that it wasn't good. I actually liked it. Like no no bullshit. I actually I enjoyed it. I and I told you this last time I think I actually really appreciate the way that Hedvig showed up and the way that she was portrayed in it. Because I think that's the point, right? Is like, you're supposed to be able to just show up and be like, look, fuck you. I'm an athlete and this is how I feel about it. And I don't give a shit. Like, like, I don't, I don't need this advice. I don't need this thing. I don't need that thing because like, those are personalities. And that's the part of the drama that I wish people like were more happy about because like, and I'm sure we talked about this exact same thing. It's like the last dance came out. Right. And everybody's like idolizing Michael Jordan because he's like, fuck everybody. I'm an asshole. Mm -hmm. Like that's what people identify with. 
right? And yeah. she did kind of the same thing. It's like, why why does that matter, right? And obviously a little bit at Lorraine's expense, I feel like. And that was the yeah. only... I mean, I think that that's probably the biggest takeaway for us as filmmakers is like, you know, in in documentary, at least with this like element of like inserting me to sort of enhance the story. Like what what we do with enhancing me is we insert, or sorry, what we do with inserting me, I'm playing a character, right? Or I'm playing some sort of caricature of myself. Yeah. So I have a scapegoat because I'm an actor and I can hide behind some sort of caricature. Yeah. Whereas Lorraine and Hedvig, we definitely teased out elements of their winter that made them more interesting characters within the fabric, the fabric of the whole picture. If I were to do just like, you know, a book report on them, then you'd see all the different elements of their personalities and why it was totally reasonable for this moment to happen and why this, you know, but if you're trying to create interesting, you know, watchable, whatever film, then documentary film, then you have, you kind of have to lean into the parts that are creating this bigger puzzle piece. And that, it was the hardest, it was the hardest fucking thing ever editing that thing. Like yeah. Colleen and I sat in the room for honestly months and months and months, just, just debating and debating and debating and debating. Like, what about this? What about that? Like there are so many factors and elements to it. And it, I mean, it, in the in the end like we probably tried to do way too much like i watch it back and i'm like oh god this is chaotic you know what i mean but at the same time i'm like okay i see what i was doing like i have compassion for myself three years ago you know yeah yeah for sure um yeah i i don't know i i i liked it a lot i really i thought there was a lot to it i i didn't have a problem with it but i also see like why Lorraine and Hedvig would be a little perturbed at, in the moment, like especially when it first comes out. Like I, I get it, right? Because it's you getting out there. It's like, and you don't really have creative control. You're just like you're doing whatever you guys felt like. I, I understand that, but it's, it is what it is. So, this episode of the Out of Bounds podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis. The best skis in the world come out of the Fisher factory. No questions asked. These things are bomb proof. You always hear about, oh, I blew up these skis. Oh, I blew up these skis. Oh, I blew up these skis. You know what skis didn't blow up? The Fisher ones because they are made the best. They're just good skis. I know ski ski brands and ski boot brands that are just like their namesake is blowing skis up. They might make good skis, but they are just destroying product. Like shit is just going right to the fan. This stuff is absolutely bomb proof. And honestly, it's it's some of the best skiing stuff in the world right now. Uh, I love, look, Ethan's pulling up the 116 like we're ever going to ski a 116 in New England uh, ever again um, with one and a quarter inches of snow for our annual snow count currently. But um, what Ethan does ski is the 96 underfoot version, which is a ton of fun. Holds a good edge, skis well. Even if you ski like Ethan, the ski can handle anything. I mean, the thing is phenomenal. Um any of the Ranger series is available right now. They're all at your local shop. So go in there and get yourself a brand new Ranger today. Uh, you can also go to fishersports.com and uh, and get a ski that way. Just get it on the old internet. and One of your local shops will fulfill that order for you. So even though you're buying it on the website, you are still supporting your local businesses because Fisher cares, right? We don't need to talk about free ski rocker or sandwich sidewall construction or flex cut or shape TI or centered bases or any of that stuff. Okay. 
just go to fishersports.com. If you have questions about gear, I know a bunch of you have emailed me already about gear questions and all that good stuff. Just email me, adamatoutofpodcast.com. I am thrilled to answer anybody's questions about gear stuff. Cool. Next, America's original hard cider. Uh, Woodchuck makes America's original hard cider, in case you didn't get that from the initial read. Um, basically, what this is is a cider that comes in a bunch of different flavors. Like I think people are pretty familiar with what hard ciders are at this point in 2023. Uh, like People get it. What they may not have gotten previous is how good the woodchuck ones are. Um, they have literally every flavor that you could imagine. Granny Smith, Rosé, Bellini, Paloma, Perseco, Sangria, Amber, Mimosa. What Ethan's just moving the page here. Blueberry. There's so many, dude. I'm, I have a Bellini one in front of me right now. Uh, the stuff is great. It's a Vermont-based brand. And let me tell you, go to the cider house or the cidery in Vermont. If you just want a place to hang, like you're doing Apre or at Sugarbush or Mad River or Bolton or Stowe or any of those places, stop by the Woodchuck Cidery because holy shit, that place is so cool and it just smells nice. You walk in there and it just smells like apples. Like you just get apples. So um, go to woodchuck.com and you can actually get some stuff shipped to you. Okay. You can actually get product shipped to your door depending on what state you're in, uh, even if you're not a Vermont local, even if your local grocery store does not sell, grocery store, liquor store, whatever, does not sell Woodchuck products. Look at all these states. There's so many states that you can ship this to. Like, you can go to Alaska. You can sh- like ship this to Alaska um, and get yourself some Woodchuck today, once again, at woodchuck.com. Hmm. You told me three years ago and maybe two years ago and last year that you wanted to be done with the ski industry. And here we are doing the same fucking thing and still being as relevant as ever. So why did you lie? And why, <laughs> why is it? You feel like I'm relevant as ever. Oh my gosh. I mean, as ever? I mean, look at like, yes, of course I fucking feel that way. It's like everybody, like everybody's like, who's funny in the skiing community. And everybody's like, Katie. And I'm like, Oh my God, I get it, dude. I get it. <laughs> I get it. All right. You're so trendy like in Katie Burrell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, I mean, you know, for me, like the goal has always been to do film and TV. And I got to do that this this fall. And um, the movie was set in the ski world because I know it. And it's right what you know. You know what I mean? Um, Also, Warren Miller, you don't say no to being in a Warren Miller movie. That was like a such a cool life experience. I think what I'm trying to get away from is um, what I was what I was what I'm really trying to get away from is like creating edits and films for athletes, like directing like edit like directing pieces for athletes like we're getting a lot of kind of offers to do that and um god bless them i still love to watch them but i cannot i can't uh yeah i'm just my brain works a little differently like than wanting to just showcase skiing which is what athletes want to do 
Right. And so I was constantly, I was feeling like I was constantly at war with the athletes that I was talking to, or it was like, you want to showcase your skiing, which I understand you have to do, but what if we did a little bit less of that and a little bit more of this? And they're like, I want, you know what I mean? So I was like, I just need to be in a different space. Um, but the Warren Miller thing was amazing because I got to do like, I got to do something, I got to do more storytelling and then the athletes that were featured in my segment, I could, you know, lean on them to make the skiing look interesting. Cause I broke my ass in the middle of that shoot and I couldn't fucking, not that I'm like an interest that interesting of a skier to watch anyway, but I also couldn't ski very well because I literally smashed my tailbone. So <laughs> freaking hard. I switched uh, and it's like, it's just like very 22 year old boy, boy of me again. Like Hannah Beeman was in town. She and I switched ski. She skied. I snowboarded when I was like, 20 i could hit handrails very well on a snowboard yeah. fun fact and 15, 14 years later i was like i mean it's like riding a bike right so i just literally <laughs> left onto a rail like day one on hana's like free ride snowboard just being like can i hit one and she was like go for it and i tried to board slide a rail like what why did i do that i was like probably trying to impress her like be cool i was like yo like how was that yeah, yeah, yeah. watch this <laughs> and just ate shit so hard like slipped out right landed right on my ass had to take myself to the hospital like yeah anyway um but yeah so warren miller was you know allowed me to have like a lot of creative control on around my segment, which was really fun. And, and, um, they were super collaborative of how the piece came together and how the edit came together. Like they, so I really got to do, I, I got to like do exactly what I would want to do in terms of ski filmmaking there. Um, yeah. and then this movie that this, that's like weak layers, it's called. I'm like the, the idea is that it's like my, uh, bridge job i guess you know um skiers i are gonna get a kick out of it i hope See, the ski industry will have lots to say about it i'm sure but i also it's also like written for the for mainstream audiences who have never seen or understood the ski world and they can show That's up great. and still follow the story and yeah. it's not so core niche that only a core niche audience would get it you know yeah. What next year that's coming out? This 2023. Yeah. It's, so it's coming like fall 2023 though. Well, it kind of depends on what happens here. So we've finished principal photography. Um, it's shot in Tahoe. Yeah. We have a month here to basically get our shit together on getting a first assembly done to see what we're missing because yeah. there's never enough time and there's never enough money in this world. Yeah. Um, and so which well, there's never enough money, which means there's never enough time. So we are missing things for sure. So we need to shoot those in February, March. It's probably, it's probably mm -hmm. like two weeks of pickups. And then, um, I mean, it's such an interesting game that I'm kind of learning, like drinking out of a fire hose kind of style right now is this whole like taking films to market thing where yep. the, where, where you take them and who sees them at certain festivals is determined so much of where they end up, how they get bought, where they get distributed, et cetera. Yeah. So figuring out which festivals we're targeting 
you know, seeing whether or not after we get our first cut in the bag, put, t- sending it out to some sales agents, distributors, like, do we have a tier one festival film on our hands? Right. If so, where do you think is the best place for it to come out? And where do you think people will be in the theater watching and looking for something like a female led comedy in the ski, in the outdoor action sports world? Um, Is it Sundance? Maybe not. Is it South by Southwest? Maybe not. Is it Telluride? Perhaps, you you know, because there's, it's just, is it Whistler? Maybe like, it's hard to say which festival is like the best for it to launch from. And then if they're like, actually, no, this is a trash movie, like good, good luck. Then we'll have to figure out our own sort of independent release strategy akin to anything like a dream job or like a TGR film, like a Warren Miller film, like putting out yeah. a theater, a theater tour, uh, it, which in which case, yes, it would definitely be a fall because a fall release, because we would want to capitalize on ski audiences being excited about the uh, upcoming winter. But if it's a tier one festival thing, then it becomes like a different game altogether. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it seemed like it was a lot of fun. It seemed like there was a lot going on. I was very like, it seemed like for a week there, every pro skier that was even near Tahoe was, uh, was there. It's, uh, yeah. I heard it was a lot I have of fun. To say, I have to say like the support that we got, um, on that film, it, it's like, I'm still trying to, I'm still having a hard time, like kind of finding my words around it. Like I'm just so blown away and like touched honestly, like yeah. I'm like deeply touched by the support that we received from the Tahoe community. Um, Californians love movies like yeah. that. They love, love movies and they love making movies and they, and they love to be like in the culture of movies, which is, which, you know, played to our favor. Um, but everyone was just so such a good sport. So keen to help. You know, we had a, a scene where one of our lead actresses is, rolling on Molly in the morning on her way up to a competition <laughs> and uh, to drop into like the, the free ride competition. And she uh, she's having like an absolute meltdown. And the extras that day were Darren Rolves, Travis Ganong, <laughs> Drew Peterson, yeah, you know, Jim Ryan, Madison, Michelle Parker had a speaking role in that part. Like yeah. Christian Hansen. These are people that just showed up out of the like, out of the goodness of their heart to support the film and to, to be a part of it. And it, and, and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy that you guys are, are, are here and are extras for the day. Like you're all legends in your own rights. You know what I mean? And and you're, you're creating this backdrop. That's just so exciting for the core audience. Like I'm sure people in the mainstream audiences, maybe, maybe some of them won't know who's who, who, who some of these people are, but the core audience is like this tram is packed with pros. It's legit. And like all I, yeah, I just, all I wanted to do, like, and I said this from like every call as the team grew and grew and grew and grew, like while we were building the thing out is I was like, how many ski or how many movies have you watched Hollywood movies you've watched that have like a ski segment in them. And you're just like, Oh God, this is so grand. Yeah. You know? And like, you just want like the light changes or the, the clothes are on wrong or they're carrying their skis backwards or whatever the hell it's just like, like, I wanted to make, I wanted people to feel like they were really watching a a Hollywood movie from the ski industry, Mm. you know? And, um, it was funny because the like, uh, love interest 
Now, like every time I turned around, he's not a skier. Well, he's starting now, but every time I turned around, he like had like a gaper gap. Like he'd have like his two contacts. Like have unzipped (laughs) his jacket down. Like, bro, I'm like literally trying to make skier girls around the world fall in love with you. Like you have to help me. Don't touch your don't touch your shit after I style you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're killing the skier vibe. You are like there is uh yeah there's. You're not doing like, it for him. It's a very fine it. line. It's a very fine line. It's and extremely picky. <laughs> there's no eye as discerning as a skier girl. Yeah. So just don't touch your toque. <laughs> Stop. Why is it like that, by the way? Like, why is it like that, by the way? Like, it's crazy. Like, the most extremely judgy groups, male and female, extremely judgy. Like, yeah. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know either because I'm like, when I moved to Revelstoke after college, for example, like we had thrifted gear, thrifted clothes, right. like, and we could still pick up. Yeah. <laughs> these oh, days, uh, I feel yeah, like, dude. <laughs> you know, I feel like these days you got to have like the cute Instagram, you got to have the braids, you got to have the fucking strands, you got to have the kit, you got to have this, the whole thing for you to get taken seriously as like a hot skier person. And I don't know, it's kind of shitty. It creates like another level of stress and an already stressful life and sport. Um, But I I think it's because (laughs) I I think it's, I think it's ultimately Darwinian. This is my argument for everything, but I'm like, it just has to do with competency. People only want to be with people who are competent. And if you look like you're good at something and competent, you're more attractive. I'm so over skier girls. Like this is not a thing I'm interested in at all. Like I will tell you this right now. Like it is, uh, it is not a thing that I am. No, that's not true. That's not true. You're not into girls who rep like they're something they're not. You'd be like, you'd date a girl that skied. Yeah. 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 But I'm not into like, this is my brand. Like this is so not like that is, uh, that's fair. fair. It's just not a thing that's super exciting to me at all. It's a pretty classic thing to go through in your late twenties. I remember that phase where I was like, like, I'm never dating a scare boy. Never. Yeah. Never. (laughs) You'll circle back. You'll you'll circle back and then you'll get burned and then you'll finally leave them behind forever. (laughs) It's like in my, yeah, that's funny because in my early twenties I was like, yeah, this is sick. Like, this is awesome. And now I'm like, who fucking cares? Like I am not, this is not a thing that's going to like, yeah, just not that anybody gives a fuck what I like, but like, it's like, that's not a, that's not a thing that I'm ever going to be a do yeah. at least, at least at this juncture of my, in my existence. I, get it. I think it's just, for me, it's like about the unilateral or like one dimensional interests that I got bored of. I yeah, was like, I'm, there's so much, I'm with that. So much know. more going on in life and the world. And really, this is all you can talk about or. It's kind of the whole point, right? It's like, that's the point in ski movies is like, why do we keep talking about or like showing that, like, yes, it's so sick to watch Sammy Carlson go do something like a hundred percent. However, I don't, I don't want to just watch ski porn all the time. Like the stuff that's out there, like the store it's, I've been talking about this a lot. So people are probably going to fucking shoot me in the face, but like, I, (laughs) I'm just over watching the same shit all the time, no matter how sick it is. It's like, there are some things that are super exciting but for the mm-hmm. most part, I'd rather know about the other things that actually make them interesting as human beings as opposed to what makes yeah. them a skier like that. And it's weird to me that not all athletes want to show that. But I, I do get it because some people are truly one dimensional. And like, for example, when I do interviews, it's like there's some of the best athletes in the world that I have no interest 
in interviewing, right? Because I've either talked to them or I know people around them or I've seen them interact on the internet. And I'm like, this is not a, like, I haven't run a bunch of interviews that are from some of the biggest names in skiing. And it's just like, I'm not, I don't want to put out stuff that is not interesting, right? Because this is supposed to be an interesting platform. Yeah. So it's like, but that's just how it is. So I think the storytelling in that aspect where you're like trying to tell a story. Yeah that's more than just the skiing is, is actually really important for people to get it. Yeah. I'll be really curious to see how this movie does. Like, yeah, it, it's definitely not a ski movie at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it has skiing in it that there, there are like <laughs> four, there are like four stunt sequences, for example, there are stunts and I have to give Connery Lundin the biggest shout out because on this one day uh, where we had to sort of pull off the impossible, including two stunts from him that required him like hitting a cliff, skiing down to my character, doing a turn and then hitting, like setting up so that uh, the actor, Evan Jonakite could come in and do his lines. Yeah. And Connery just laced, laced what he had to do <laughs> to, to and it was literally like, I'm like describing it over the walkie. He's like up on the top of this cliff. I'm like, it, it was not, it was not, not technical. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he did it and made it look so, and I was like trying to talk to him about this character's style of skiing, how he's this kind of legend. He has to have this sort of Eric Pollard-esque style. Yeah. Connor just like dropped into character, laced this line. I'm like, dude. And the day it was like, the AD, like the assistant director looked at me. He's like, did we get it? I'm like, we got Like we just, we 100%. can move on. Like, yeah, I can't yeah. believe we can move on, but we can move on. Like it was nuts. Like he, I was just so impressed. Um, anyway, so it, it has skiing in it. It's based around being in the ski world. Um, and without like giving too much away, you know, it's like three girls that love skiing, they're best friends and, and they live in this shit rat house and they're kind of shit rats. And my character goes on a journey and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't even, I don't even, I still even know how to fucking elevator pitch it. And I've been working on it for two years, but um, there, it's not like a ski porny movie at all, but there are segments in it that people who love to watch skiing will love, but it's, it's ultimately like a rom-com, you know, more than anything. Okay. I like that. Yeah, but like, by the way, Connery, gem of a human being. Love that guy. Like, that guy should be 10 times more popular than he is. He's so great. He's so great. Yeah. He, he can ski, he can act and ski. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I, I, told him the style, to the <laughs> I told him the style of skier I wanted this skier to be. Yeah. And he, like, adapted his style of skiing to play this guy's character. Yeah. So, <laughs> also, he wrote a line in the movie. Because when he skied down to my character, there was a line, um, there was a line there, like, hey, or something. And instead of saying, hey, he was like, be okay, your shit's everywhere. Just kind of, like, <laughs> chirping me because he didn't know what to do. And everyone like, then it was like a cut and everyone started laughing so hard. And, um, and then we had the, the actor, Evan, deliver the line that Connery just like ad-libbed jokes. We're like, Connery, you just wrote a line in the movie because it was just such a good moment. He's amazing. Big fan. Huge fan. 
Yeah, big fan. Huge fan of everyone in Tahoe, I got to say. I'm like... It's a great community, isn't it? Like, I mean, look at, like, the people that you had involved. Like, can we just talk about this for a second? Like, Michelle Parker, JT Holmes, uh, Scott Gaffney, Mich- like, Madison Ostergren, Jim Ryan. Like, there's, like, such a list of people. Obviously, Connor. Like, what the fuck? It was nuts. And, it, you know, I have to say, like, there was an early meeting where... Um, Tom Day, who's a legendary Warren Miller uh, DP, JT Holmes, who was our stunt coordinator, Scott Gaffney, who needs no introduction, the producers, Jared Drake and Steven Sig, who did Buried, the story about the 1982 avalanche, Um, Andrew Ladd, who's the co-writer, my co-writer on the screenplay, um, and myself and Colleen and our assistant director, we're all sitting in like an assistant whose name is Eddie Vigil. He's an LA based um, director. We were all sitting in this room and it was like, these people all went quiet to listen to me, tell them what to do. Yeah. I was like, this is fucked. Like I've been looking up to all of you for so long in so many different ways. Yeah. I can't. And now uh, you're listening to me. Like I had this, I, my imposter syndrome was raging off the top of this project. Like when we got down to Tahoe in October, like it was kind of ramping up as we got closer to it. Cause I was very stressed about portraying the character in a way that was likable and was this and was that. Cause she's kind of like in this shitty period of her life. So I just wanted to make sure that she was still like funny and likable. Yeah. Um, and I was like stressed about that. I was stressed about acting and directing and something at the same time. Um, and then I was also stressed about like, just the, like the absolute level, like the caliber of the people that I was surrounded by and not letting them down. That was a huge thing for me. It was not letting the people around me down. Yeah. Um, and looking around that room that day and just like having to take a deep breath and then just like start saying what I wanted and needed was my body like my body expanded you know Mm. by like 10 times just to be able to be like i'm comfortable telling these people what i need or want you know what i mean like um because i look up to them all so much and i mean i gotta say like gaffney and jt they they kind of ran the second unit and tom day ran the second unit like um jt was our stunt coordinator Gaffney ran like it was sort of you know working with the JT directing the second unit which is like all the stunt skiing or all the skiing these guys Teddy do you really need to play with lamb chop right now (laughs) (laughs) mom's working okay Okay. we we accept Teddy the way he is yeah Teddy's gonna play with lamb chop and we're gonna just talk over it okay um (laughs) but they they not only like brought so much expertise, so much experience, um, so much passion to the project. They also were just so much fun and made you feel so good. Yeah, I don't know if it's a California thing, but people there make you feel so good. Yeah. They're they're friendly, they're approachable, they're chatty. They have the best of intentions. They're enthusiastic. Mm. It's like there's this thing with Canadians and I, sometimes I'm like, we're so like sneaky, judgy, passive sometimes. Um, and, and also Canadians just love a good, they love a good, you know, 
They love a good uh, dig. They love like a bit of sarcasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like, Americans are just like so loving. <laughs> like I don't know. Chill, 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 chill. California, no maybe just yeah, Baja. California. Yeah, California. Like eliminate the rest of the country from that. Like okay, what? okay. <laughs> maybe let's just say Tahoe. People in Tahoe yeah. are so loving and so yeah. like enthusiastic. And I was just. I've reflected on a lot because it was like a real back and forth between like, should we shoot in Revelstoke or should we shoot in Tahoe? Should we shoot in Revelstoke? Should we shoot in Tahoe? And it ended up in Tahoe. And I'm just not that I, you know, don't think that the Revelstoke community wouldn't have rallied around it, but I was, I was just like floored by how, um, how, how we had that kind of, that caliber of, of talent on board in, um, in Tahoe. And like these people, these people became like, there's something about a film set that's very much like a summer camp or like you just bond so hard and so fast. Like it's, um, it's like, yeah, it's truly like, uh, going on a traverse or a hot trip or like being put out of your comfort zone so hard. And you just plug into each other in a way like, that you don't get in a normal nine to five um, takes, it takes like years to create that kind of closeness, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, yeah, I got to tell you, um, Scott Gaffney, I didn't know I was in love with Scott Gaffney, but like, I totally am. That dude's great. Like I, between like just seeing the small things that he's done recently, like actually like diving into him a little bit and obviously like Michelle having him on her show. I'm like, fuck man. Like I didn't know the way this guy was Daphne is like the best vibes of yeah. anyone. He's like got this megawatt smile. Yeah. Like he's got, he's got this, this voice and this smile that just like take over a room yeah. and, and he lights up when he's talking about stuff and he's really smart and he's really passionate and he's a great, like, you know, member of the community. He's also a great husband, dad, his wife came and was an extra a few days on set. And he just, I mean, Scott has this like humility to him. Like he's such a legend and and everyone in the ski world knows Scott Gaffney grew up watching his films, knows the work he's done with MSP. Like he's, he's a living legend, but he has this humility where he's like, I, he just bought a new camera. He's like, never stop learning, never stop getting better. Never stop. You know, And it's yeah, just yeah. like, it's really exciting to be around because I feel like the whole like don't meet your heroes thing. And then you meet a guy like Scott Gaffney and he, he, he truly is like, yeah, he behaves like he just started like yesterday and he's made like 30 films. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's infectious being around him and he's just, he's such a great guy. I'm so glad we got the chance to work with him on this project and, um, and just to like meet him in person. Cause yeah, we were just internet yeah. friends before before I got to work with him. Yeah, it's funny, right? Like the don't meet your heroes thing is like so dead on a lot. But like there's certain people and maybe it's that community again, like Michelle, right? Like uh, when I first started working with her, I'm like, ah, this is might be a lot for me. Like, I don't know if I can handle it. But like, dude, she's the fucking best. Like, it's like, it's genuinely like you talk to these people and you're like, these are not just regular people. They're better people than regular people in a lot of ways. You're like, you're meeting these people and you're like, this is fucking amazing. Like, this is great. I think the like factor is this willingness to learn and this willingness to not be right and this willingness to not need to seem like you are above anyone else like they 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 truly don't 
they they don't have that. And it's like, maybe it's like a joie de vivre or something, but it like Michelle came and did a speaking role for one of the, one of the days. And she hasn't done a ton of acting, you know, she's, she's done a lot of like Michelle Parker on camera, but acting is a different thing. And there's like pacing and how like, and the camera's really intimidating. There's all these kind of factors, there's cuts. And she was working under in a scene that was under a lot of, a lot of pressure. And she had this just, smile on her face and she was just like if she got it wrong she did it again and she was laughing and and she I was just like you know to show up and have that kind of just humanity and humility and in any in in any given circle like within skiing Michelle is a star like a superstar for sure and she showed up to something that's out of her comfort zone and just came at it with such a like everyday kind of approach and it's just that's the kind of stuff that i'm like i become i become i'm like i will do anything for this person 100 percent. you know 100 percent. i really have a hard time with the like i really have a hard time with ego Same. i mean i understand oh, ego yeah. i have compassion for ego i have an ego like uh, you know i i, I have but i'm like bro like just show up and and be willing to learn and you're you can't make an enemy doing that the too cool for everybody thing is so tapped and so it makes me mad like i like sometimes i'm just like it yeah it's too much for me i can't i don't handle it well i never will handle it well i don't think like even as i do this more and more i'm like this is not yeah life's just too short like it's favors you know what i mean like don't act like you're doing a favor for me by like doing a thing or another thing or like even when I watch people act like that towards other people, I'm like, this is gross. Like, don't be gross. Like, that's like yeah. the rule. You don't want to do it. Tell me you don't want to do it. But like, Life's way too short. yeah, it's fucking not. not I feel me. like, I feel like the ski industry is one thing. The bike industry, I don't know. Like the same. I mean, I feel like I got to the opportunity to commentate the dark horse event this year, which is Casey Brown. <laughs> yeah. 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 Women's Invitational, And I, Oh fuck. I guess I also hosted pink bike, which <laughs> talk about people hating you but anyway um, <laughs> i was gonna ask you about this but i was like let's just leave this alone oh i haven't yeah we can talk about it it's totally fine we can talk about it um but the the bike industry is like uh it's the same thing like people are the 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 ones that don't have to like act like they have something to prove are the ones that are in the the comfiest positions you yeah. know what i mean yeah, it's, for and sure. it's the same with Hollywood. It's like there are people in Hollywood that are like C-list actors, and they're kind of shitty. Yeah. The the A-listers, from what I know, from what I know and what I've heard, they're lovely. They don't yeah. have anything to prove. There's eccentric, but they're lovely. You know. Yeah. And it's the like people that are like insecure and have something to prove that that are kind of shitty to be around. You know. But that's why they're like where they're at and they don't get to a certain point, right? Like it's like that's part of it. I mean, and obviously some people just make it there and they make it there on talent or ethic or whatever the fuck. But it is it is what it is. It's very interesting. Um, Let me – I'm not going to ask you too much more. I'm going to let you get out of here shortly here. Um, What – dating advice. I told you that I was going to ask you about this thing because there's a bit on your Instagram and I think it's really funny and I wish you would keep doing it. Um, but it's been 72 weeks or 82 weeks or something like that <laughs> since your last one. What, what made you decide 
that you wanted to do this? And why do you think people hooked onto it so hard? Like people hooked onto it for a minute there and they were like, yeah. all I want to talk about with you is like skier boys and why they suck ass and like this thing that yeah. people do and like what, <laughs> so like what, what's the story there? I mean, I feel like I'm nothing if not inconsistent. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think what was happening there was I was, you know, being a marketing professional was trying to give the client we were working with at that time, another way to, to, um, tap into this, like dating, like mountain bike dating, ski dating content I was creating. And so I was like, okay, so I'm playing a character within these sort of like front or within these kind of like grid pieces, like why don't I just be myself in stories and just sort of have uh, back and forth with the audience. And I do like, I don't know if, if it was stand up, you'd call it crowd work or whatever. So it's, yeah. it's like a, it's like a really fun uh, muscle to sort of exercise. Um, I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, I think my sort of go-to is just to be kind of chirpy. Yeah. And, kind of mean which i think people that are probably usually engaging with those uh amas are kind of burned or a bit scorned in some way and they're looking for sort of you know their wounds to be licked which i love to do um i don't know why i haven't continued to do it i think like there become there becomes a sort of boundary that i've had to draw with social media where um I feel like I could be there on there all of the time, just like feeding the beast. And then, um, I don't know. I'm just like, my brain feels like a prune. Like it feels like (laughs) I it feels just like it was being sucked, you know? And I just needed to, I needed to just sort of create some distance, but that doesn't mean I won't bring it back. Um, bring it back. I think it's funny. Dating and ski culture is like a very, it's a very unique thing that I think people don't talk about very much. It's a very odd vein of the industry, but there's not many people that actually want to discuss it. Right. Let's they just want it, to let it be. It, it let's bring it back. When uh, the podcast comes out, I'll do a. Okay. A advice. We'll put. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. Wait, I also. Wait, wait, why, why did you want to leave the bike stuff alone? Uh, no real reason other than like, I didn't understand really why it happened, what happened with it. I read some of the comments and I was like, this is kind of funny. Like, but like, I didn't find it to be all, it wasn't all bad or anything like that. It's just one, we're in winter. Two, I didn't understand where it came from. I'm like, now Katie's a fucking bike influencer, bike creative, bike, whatever the fuck like this. How did this happen? Like, where did pink bike come from? And we're like, we want this and maybe it was from the mountain bike series maybe that was it like i mean but i don't know honestly yeah i think it's from the mountain biking videos that i made like the community videos i made um i have to say like talk about like within certain cultures like being up against like a legend kind of a thing like cam mccall was my co-host and he's i don't know jesus christ in (laughs) mountain biking like i don't know what is equivalent especially in commentating like Like, he's good at it and he's so good at uh, just like riffing on biking. And I don't know, he had me like fully hand talking by the end of working with him and trying to like match his style and energy was like, I think if I were to go back and do it, if I, if I were to go back and do another season, I'm just going to 
be like, that's how Cam talks. Like I don't have to talk like Cam. You know what I mean? Um, because I was like, just so taken with how good he was and I'm such a parrot and was like, this is, this is a pro like learn from a pro, but I cannot watch it back. Cause I'm like, who are you being like, you're trying to be a biker guy. Like you're not, you know what I mean? So, um, I don't know. The pink bike, they reached out because they'd seen the bike content that I had made. Um, I can obviously hold my own public speaking, um, and I got the invitation to do it. I, I've never come up against a more impassioned online audience than the pink bike <laughs> audience. The, I cannot go near the YouTube con- comments. I cannot go near the pink bike comments. I'm so afraid of the trolls in some capacities and other capacities. I'm like flattered. I have trolls. I must be really successful. Um, there, there are comments that are like, they're ranging from like Katie Burrell is single-handedly saving mountain bike culture to get rid of this bitch. Like it's that dramatic <laughs> of an oscillation um, that I'm just like, and, and I do feel like, you know, as, as we talked about earlier, like when you are a character within a fabric, you become a caricature of yourself. And yeah. in that, in that scenario, I was the, the caricature that didn't know anything about biking to try to create a conduit between me, the mainstream audience and the biking niche world. And the niche bikers are like, kill her, burn her at the stake. And the mainstream audience is, I don't know. Cause they don't comment cause they're not sociopaths. Yeah. Um, yeah. People in comments anyway, like for the most part, what's I up? Know what's up dude? Thing. Like what is, what's up with I that? Found out- <laughs> It's like the equivalent of like finding out your uh, part, like boyfriend or girlfriend, like claps in the plane lands. Like yeah, I found yeah, yeah. out that my boyfriend was like a big <laughs> Facebook community page, like arguer. And I was like, wait, stop. You have to stop. You cannot be a Facebook community debater. Yeah, like, yeah. We'll break up by the end of the day. Like no way. Yeah. yeah. It'll be over by lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. He's really, he's really toned it back. I was like, what are you doing? Like I'd look at him. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, just discussing like the new fence. Discussing. <laughs> yeah. Discussing <laughs> is the wrong word. Yeah. 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 Stop. You're a Facebook debater. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the comments. Like, Oh man. Yeah. Being in the comments is not a good luck. I don't think you want to be the kind of person that's in the comments, but um, no, it was an incredible team that we worked with and it's a really cool, um, really cool show, like really cool concept of the show. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was great. Bike people are the worst. I mean, no doubt. Like they are point blank. They're all fucking thumbs. Like, can we just talk about the fact that like they all think they're so fucking cool? And can you imagine telling someone who isn't a cyclist that you're a cyclist, like you go out and you wear tights and you ride bikes all the time, or even worse, you like go out there and it's your whole existence is riding this two wheeled toy that you rode as a little kid. It's like, it's almost like a trauma (laughs) reaction. I love riding bikes for sure. But like I'm it, some people treat it like it's their only attachment to their, like to their long lost father. It is. It's truly something else. Like how hardcore, how just when I say how impassioned these people are and it is a, it's an activity. It's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's, it's a commute for some people and for other people, it's their entire personality. And it's, ter- it, they are terrifying. They really freak me out. I don't even know what to say to them. Cause I'm like, I just, I don't, 
I don't see it the same way you do. I don't care the same way you do. But that's amazing that you found something in life that lights you up this much. But also, I think you need to ask yourself why you're so mad. Yeah. Like, maybe just, like, shut the fuck up a little bit. How about that? Like, that would be really dope. (laughs) It's really funny, too, because not to overgeneralize, but, like, bike people think they're really cool. and And it's really, but they're usually, like, math nerds. Yeah. Math is, you know, like, they're engineers, like they're, they're like even worse i feel like like i'm not it's a very i mean i don't give a shit anymore it's just so weird like just like chill nothing it's just like chill yeah man it's literally yeah. riding a bike skiers around. are kind of this it's like the attachment to skiing is a little more seasonal. a lot of skiers are like very like this is my existence it's like, it's like grown ass people behaving like the teenagers yeah. on new schools yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, i mean yeah, like yeah. it's like it's new schoolers, but everyone's 40. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> Let me actually, bringing up new schoolers, can I ask you some advice, like personally? Um, I am hosting the New Schoolers Awards in at Copper, and I don't know how to host anything. Like, I've never oh. hosted anything. I've never, like, I don't, what do you do? Like, how do you well, what, gen- kind of, what kind of a host do you want to be? I don't know. I'd like to gently be like a, a Ricky bit. Gervais host or do you want to be like a, oh, I don't I haven't thought this far. They just asked me like two weeks ago and I was like, I guess. Because the thing is, is that if you do something some way and you yeah. do it well, you're going to get asked to do it again and again and again. Yeah. And if you actually yeah. kind of hate doing it, then don't do it the first time, even if you can do it well. Because this, and I'm saying this from experience because I'm very That's good at I'm roasting asking. people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've gotten hired a handful of times to do like corporate roasts and or to wrote like or to host an event and roast people and the anxiety that it gives me gave me i don't do it anymore but the anxiety that it gave me um before and after the show where i was roasting the people that you were also supposed to be celebrating that night and you know what maybe i'll do it again at some point in my career but it was like, I, I just felt so guilty. So then I tried to get into hosting stuff where I was like a nice guy, but then it felt so boring yeah. and just like eventual. And I was like, why are you doing this to avoid your feelings of anxiety? Um, of like doing like very gentle burns to people that probably need to hear it, you know? Yeah. So I would ask yourself, <laughs> what kind of a host do you want to be? Cause if you want to be kind of a roast host, then it'd be sick if you like wrote a few, like wrote like an opening five or like opening five minutes on just like taking digs at some of the like big names. And the rule is punch up, you know, don't make any jokes about people that maybe it's like, they don't need that. Yeah. Tanner Tanner Hall's fair game. Like we can make jokes about fucking Alex Hall. Like we can do that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Like Alex Hall is the like really handsome one. Right. I love that man. Yeah. He's beautiful. He's a beautiful man. He's a beautiful, like, he's yeah, a beautiful yeah. man. So you yeah. could make some sort of joke about like um, Alex Hall, like being here to defend, like being the hottest guy in free <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, okay. If he's not nominated for any awards, especially, be like yeah. Alex Hall is Alex Hall's here tonight. He's not nominated for anything, but yeah. I'm assuming he's here defending being hot. Yeah. yeah. The hottest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. stabs like that, and then yeah. Everyone's like, oh, like you, like you want to, you want to give him something that's like a good shoulder, like a good yeah, elbow yeah, digger. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. But nothing that's like too actually painful or hurtful. That, but if you don't want to be a roast host, then all you got to do is like basically get on stage and throw hats at people, which drives me nuts. That's all. That's oh. like why I had to stop hosting shit. That's I'm what like, I don't want to do. It's like there's a fine line between being too mean 
and be because sometimes I'm spiteful and I don't want that to come out too hard. Like I don't want to be mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have to be careful. You Especially because new schoolers is not even really my vein normally. It's a weird ask for me to even do it, to be honest. But like I'm oh, trying yeah, to I'm find cool. No, no, no. I I know it's cool, whatever, but like it's a weird like I'm not a fucking park skier. Like could I go ski park? I guess. But like I'm not a fucking that's I'm not core in that scene. Like right, I don't like right. it's not so my only bit is like going to be picking on people, but do I pick on the things that actually annoy me or do I pick pick on the generalities of? Well, I think scene? you should be like, I think you should say that off the top. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not a park skier. I don't know why I got right. hired to do this. I don't know anything about park. The only thing I know is that you last year you guys were rolling your pants up over your boots. And if you weren't doing that, you're a fucking <laughs> yeah. loser. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what all of you yeah. are. That You know what I mean? Like, kind of like, you can play it like outsider, not understanding them. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I like that. Okay, that's good advice for sure. And then and stuff like um, anyway, like you can make a joke like, "Have you heard of?" I don't know. Like, it, will Eileen Goo be there? I hope so. Because like maybe no she's chance. too big. Yeah, maybe she's Way too, too big. big for it. Yeah, she now? was in fucking Vogue. Are you kidding me? No, she's not like, going to be at New yeah. Schoolers. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, and it's like you can make a joke about them thinking that they're like on her level. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, there's yeah, I like this. Okay, okay, okay. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Punch him. Teasing him. Teasing him. You got to yeah. flirt with the audience. You got to flirt with them. Got it. <laughs> flirt with them. Okay. You want, you want them that. to feel like they're on your level, but like they could still yeah sleep we, with you. We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't get don't get slapped. Don't be too mean. Like that kind of stuff is uh, is where we're at. All right. And that's, then hire some kid or make some kid from the audience get up and throw all the swag because that's the worst part of hosting. And it's like completely de de degrading oh, of your. I'm not doing that. No chance. No, no absolutely. That's what no I said. I'm not getting paid <laughs> enough to do that. Like, no chance. I will do everything but throw hats and t shirts at an audience. Like, sorry. I have self respect. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a few people for sure that host shows that throw swag that I can think of that listen to this show that are like curling up in a ball right now. So <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Those, those. It's okay. Tell them, tell them to send you a resume. I'm not, yeah, exactly. You guys want to work on fucking whatever, February 22nd? Um, no, that's great. Okay, this is good advice. This will be fun for me. I don't, do you get anxious when you do this kind of stuff? Like when you're on camera anymore? Like do you, is that a thing that even goes in your head? Mm, not there are, you know, it was interesting. Shooting the movie, there were a few scenes that were like very choreographed and had like lines that were like really important to her to hit, and, hit at certain beats. And in certain ways that if you didn't get it, you had to go all the way to the back, all the way to the start and start again, like a one take kind of a thing that yep. I got a performance high out of that I haven't had since I did stand up, like a, like a really good stand up show where you just have to execute on something so hard, like I, camera, because the camera is so forgiving, except for like physically <laughs> it's like very forgiving in terms of delivery, because you can just like fuck up and do it again. Um, yeah. But I got a like a, yeah I got a like I got a high out of a few out of a few of the scenes and I got anxious very anxious about a few of the scenes pr pr primarily the opening scene because I say a sort of naughty thing so my character's kind of drunk and hurt and being a victim and um, she's very much in her like yeah she's very much in her victim state and therefore blaming the world around her for everything and. Um, I say something that could be, yeah, could be taken out of context and I can get in trouble for. And 
if so, so be it. But I was very anxious about the delivery of that line. I was also very anxious about that scene in general. Cause I'm like just picturing people sitting at home on their couches, like opening Netflix and the movies there and they click on it and then they watch me for two minutes. And I was just fucking annoying and she sucks turning it off like that. And so I was just like, if you don't get people in the first five minutes of a movie, you don't get them at all. Two minutes of a movie, you don't get them at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So I was really anxious about that in terms of like live audiences, like live audience is still the most anxiety inducing performance you can give yourself. I mean, on a movie set, you have, you know, in that movie set with 30 people at any given day watching, you know what I mean? Or 25 people watching, but um, an audience where it's just like, there's so many variables. There's so much that can go wrong. There's so much that can go great like something could happen that could create some sort of magical moment that's just like unforgettable and epic and that's like that improv kind of thing but um yeah I don't really get anxiety about camera I but but I did like a stand-up show in Chicago and I was like fucking sleepless the night before yeah um because yeah there's just a there's like no filter between you and the judgment (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you can't. You know, it can anything. go. It can go great, and it, it can be like you're. You feel like a hero, or it can be like you know, you bomb or you fuck something up or you say something in the wrong way, and you feel the worst you've ever felt. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It's funny that it's even still a thought for you anymore, even for those kind of things. But I guess stand up, if you haven't done it in a while, it's it's also it's also stand up. It's like you kind of have to get the laughs, and I imagine there's yeah. like a there's like a momentum shift that happens if you don't right like there's gotta be where you just like nothing's working and you're like oh god right yeah yeah that's kind of what happened at this show in chicago actually i think i would say like of all the shows i've done that was top five worst no shit yeah it was so i mean it was an it was an amazing event arcteryx put on this amazing event in Chicago in a climbing gym where they wanted to do a night like Chicago is like, you know, and Arcteryx so is like this new sort of area for it. So they're like, whatever, you don't need to know the backstory. But point being is that the, the actual comedy venue was in a climbing gym. Yeah. So you're fighting an uphill battle already. You don't have lighting. You don't have sound. You don't have a wrapped audience because people are climbing behind you. Plus some people are sitting there. You know, there's all these things that comedy clubs, like a comedy club enhances comedy because of the way that it serves the comedy to you, Mm. like drinks, tables, dark room, spotlight, red curtain host. Like there's so many things that I I don't know that people are aware of how it sets you up to just sit there and giggle all night. You know what I mean? and be like entirely focused on just the comedian. And so to do it in a, in a, in a climbing gym was very distracting. So I was hosting the event, um, which also means you have to do like, you know, seven minutes off the top and then like bits in between the comedians. Um, and it was just like an incredibly, it was like the audience was doing like this kind of laughing. (laughs) Oh God. So you're like, they're laughing, they're enjoying themselves. They're not, not laughing, but they're not. The thing with like performing comedy is you like get a laugh and you allow that laugh to carry you into your next beat and you hit the joke or you hit the beat right as the laugh starts to die to, to, to get the laugh up again. 
So all you're actually doing, I feel like when you're having a really good show is you're listening to the laughs and you're like hitting the audience, right? You're, you're like timing it off of their reaction. So if you're not getting any reaction or if the reaction is way shorter than it should be, Mm. or has been in the past, your whole pacing flow gets thrown. And that's what was happening to me is I was like warming the room up (laughs) and it was like the warm up joke got like a, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) or like the laugh would be like, the laugh would be like, ha 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 It'd be over. And then you'd be like, wait, 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 you were supposed to laugh for like another three seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, like, you know what I mean? Like it was just yeah. this, the timing. I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know, I beat myself up about it um, for an hour or two. And then I got a deep dish pizza and thought to myself that it was actually kind of funny that it was kind of a bomb. Um, <laughs> but then I also felt like I like let down the event coordinator. Um, but she was like, you didn't bomb. I'm like, no, that was, I did because <laughs> yeah, I've stressed. Yeah. had yeah. Good, I've had good shows and that was not a good show. Um, yeah. but all the comedians struggled, you know, cause it, cause they, they were like the, the, the audience was there to listen to a show and then go climbing. Right. right, right. They were there to like drink and like bullshit and like yeah. heckle and like wrong crowd, maybe wrong setup for a crowd. You know what? It's a, it's like hard. You're, you're never supposed to blame your crowd. That's like a thing. You know what I mean? You're, you're always yeah. supposed to like tough crowd or whatever. You never, that's like hack to yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. you're yeah, never obviously. supposed to blame, blame your crowd. You're supposed to take Jocko Wilnick total ownership. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, in this scenario, in this case, I was like listening to these comedians after me and they were all Chicago locals. So I was like, Oh, maybe just like, I don't, maybe I don't land in Chicago and they were all having a hard time too. And it was just, I was listening to their bits. I'm like, these are good, well-structured bits that would kill in a club. Yeah, There's something about this environment. That's just like making everyone work 10 times as hard. Got it. Interesting. Um, all right. I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you get out of here. I'm over my, my allotted time by, 11 minutes. So, um, I lost so many listeners. I know everybody's gone. Not for, no, they're all fine. I'm sure. Oh, well maybe who knows. Um, but I just don't want to take too much more of your time. So I appreciate it very much as usual. Um, yeah. Where, where can people find you on the internet? Where can people consume content? Where can people feel related to you? Uh, and all, all of the things that you, uh, you create. Um, they can find me at Katie Burrell TV on Instagram. Same moniker. Is that a word? Yeah. Same handle on uh, TikTok and um, my email. If you feel so compelled is info at katieburrelltv.com. Um, Do we answer DMs? Leisure athlete hats are available. We're expanding that in the new year to kits, etc. So, um, you can check out our website, katierealtv.com, which, um, links you out to the leisure athlete website. We're like, you know, we're in a bit of a rebrand. Like we're like still trying to figure out our whole website fuckery, but, um, yeah, I usually am like Instagram seems to be kind of my, uh, primary, like communicating with the, the people. Do you answer DMs? I remember, I think you sent me something one time, like showing me a DM and it was like a million message requests just sitting in there. Like, and it stressed me out. 
very much. Can I tell you? Like, because I at least accept them. Like, I accept them and I don't answer if I don't answer. I try to answer everyone. Oh, that's so rude, I think. What do you mean? I have the scene. You can turn off scene, like, so people don't see your, like, see that you see your messages. So I did that. Oh. So people don't oh, know, know that I'm reading yeah. their shit and not answering. But, like, I try to give people a double tap at the minimum. But, like, you had, like, a bajillion people. Just sitting in there, like, people are going to be like, that's where my message is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like, I mean, I said to myself, I, it's, not, it's just, it's too many. And yeah. I don't mean to say that. I don't say that to sound. You're so fucking, popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to go like uh, mean girls here, yeah. but I'm like. I, I genuinely would spend my whole day just chatting to people So in the yeah. past. I've done that. And then I kind of realized that I was just like, oh, I'm doing too much talking to strangers. I might have to slow my roll here a little bit. And then, um, and then, yeah, I find sometimes like some, like, I guess if you're listening to this and you're still listening to this and you've sent me a message I haven't gone back to, there is a chance I haven't seen it, but there's also a very good chance that I saw it, loved it, felt like if I opened the can of worms, <laughs> uh, then we'd be like texting all day. We'd be best <laughs> friends. Like, you don't want new best friends. I understand. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, like yeah. I have a hard enough time seeing my own best friends, getting back to my own best friends. Um, so yeah, that's, it, it is like a part of the job, but I do leave a lot of, yeah my best friend carter said the same thing to me i sent her a screenshot and i had 97 unread text messages and oh, she's like dude i don't even want to the fuck are you doing i'm like do you want to have an unread text off right now like it is fucking disgusting <laughs> not even because i'm cool it's because i get anxiety when people text me and i don't want to i'm at 946 unread text messages and at this point I'm keeping it just like I don't want to oh, answer. Wow. So it's, it's, you fucked. have, I got red receipts on my text messages for this purpose exactly. Like if, if it's not, if it says unread, then I actually haven't read it. So don't think I'm not getting back to you. No, if no, no. A, I'm not. I'm not. If I've left you on red, I did that strategically. But <laughs> that's if so I, much meaner. You just picked on me for opening people's messages, and now you're like, "Ah, oh, I read it, and then oh, I don't that's answer." That's for strange. That's for strange. That's for people you don't know. Ugh. I'm talking like I'm talking like, and you know, I feel bad sometimes. Like brands will reach out and they'll be like, "Oh, we want to send you something. What's your address?" And that's as far as we get in the conversation. Then I'm like, "Yeah, oh, I I gotta send. I forgot. I lost this DM. The DMs go missing. DMs DMs are like socks, man. They they're." <laughs> always you're always losing them this is not a Sorry. thing Sorry, Mom. cut yourself off that's enough lame jokes for tonight you want to say hi to our video listeners even though i was getting mad at you for making this podcast a video cast adorable too. adorable it has to be you need social media clips otherwise you can't promote a podcast anymore right you, like, can, promote this, you can promote this podcast with teddy waving. i'm just gonna use this it'll get so many clicks he's adorable he's adorable <laughs> teddy your clickbait has any clickbait 100 percent I love this. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for having me. I like really appreciate that you have me like on every year. <laughs> once a year. Yeah. Once, once a year. That's an annual, it's an annual thing. It's on the schedule always. So. Yeah, it's an annual thing. It's like a nice, like uh, it's a nice like circle back for me. I'm like, Oh, like I must be like, it must be getting around to be like a year. Like maybe I've like, it's like a good uh, career. Um, to check in. Test. Things are still going well, but I haven't been like written off of getting to do your podcast still. 
<laughs> Hopefully that never happens. I can't imagine it will. So um, I appreciate 